social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Recording live from the frigid Brooklyn apartment. I was going to say, it's very winter now here. (laughs) (laughs) Very winter. There were flurries this morning. There were not full snow, though, so I'm not excited yet. I'm ready for the full snow. Not like that episode of Gilmore Girls, the first snow. (laughs) I think that's why I romanticize first snow, is because of that show. Well, I didn't watch Gilmore Girls until a couple years ago, but now it's the only thing I think about when I see the first snow. Yeah. But to be fair, I didn't have snow. Correct. You didn't really really grow up with that. Well, let's start by talking about something we missed last week, actually. Yeah, Spotify dropped the year in review right after we recorded the podcast. Don't they know our posting schedule? I know. So yeah, they launched their year in review this year for all users through Spotify Stories, which is a new feature. Yes. Much like all the other platforms. All the other stories. Um, I actually think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm into it. I don't exactly understand the need for Spotify stories in general. It was a fun way for them to roll it out, though. Because everyone wants to see their unwrapped. Is that what it's called? Yeah, unwrapped. unwrapped. And it really was social first. It was meant for sharing. Yeah. Who was your top artist? (sighs) As with everyone else in our friend group. Taylor Swift was at the top of my list. But I will say, this is the first year Blink-182 did not make an appearance. Oh, wow. Mine are always not what I expect because I don't really listen to artists on repeat. Mm-hmm. I like listen to the playlist where there's only one song for a particular artist. So really, if I listen to an album straight through, that becomes my top artist. Which I think is what happened here because wasn't Shawn Mendes also high on your list this year? No, Harry Styles. Right. Which like... You're not even a big... No, I'm not a Harry Styles fan, but I do like the new album. Fair. Well, I have already started listening on repeat to the new Miley Cyrus album. Mm. And if my listening continues at this pace, I'm 100% sure it's going to wind up on my list next year. You can't stop (laughs) and you won't stop. Wow, clever. (laughs) But no, for real, um, I've always been a Miley fan and I'm really into her new album and I love what she's been doing on TikTok. It's hysterical. Yeah, in case you missed it, there's a trend going around where people will write, if Miley comments on this, I will blank. And so Miley (laughs) has been finding those and commenting on it and she even asked this young woman out on a date. Yes. She also told someone to go get a tattoo to break up with their boyfriend. (laughs) I've seen a ton of that. It's really fun. People are also sharing a Snapchat feature on TikTok this week. So there's a Snapchat cartoon filter that literally makes you look like a Disney character. A Disney princess, honestly. I haven't tried it yet. Oh my goodness. Well, first I tried it on the cat. (laughs) And then I tried it on myself. And... I kind of looked like Snow White. Ooh. Yep, just another platform inception on our hands where people are recording on one and posting on another. Just like people post TikTok videos on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter actually just released the top 10 most liked tweets of 2020. And in true 2020 fashion, the number one is very sad. Yeah. It was from the Chadwick Boseman account announcing his death. And number two is Barack Obama honoring Kobe Bryant. Obama actually has two tweets in the top 10. The other one is wishing Michelle Obama a happy birthday, which I thought was sweet. I love that one. And you know, I'm also a fan of Kamala calling Joe. Yes, number four is the we did it Joe video. (laughs) (laughs) And then another thing I thought was funny is that one of Twitter's own tweets is in the top 10. Oh, yeah. If everyone wears a mask, they'll give us an edit button, right? Yes, exactly. That's number eight. I thought that was fun. Yes. 
I am so, so excited to have one of my very best friends from college on the show. Dominique Brown is the director of marketing at The Class. Today we talk about how Dominique uses her experience as a student of the class to help inform some of these marketing strategies that she's putting in place in her new role. And it's really awesome to hear how passionate she is about the brand and just exciting to hear all the things that Dom is doing, both on a personal and professional level. Here she is. Hello, Dominique. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so great to be here. This is like the coolest interview. Well, I was going to say that we have made a lot of friends from doing this podcast and all the ladies we talked to. And this is the first person that we've actually known before we recorded. This is our first pre-friend podcast. Our (laughs) pre-friend. (laughs) Pre-friend. Yeah, you can call Dom that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Well, Let's do the speed round with her. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited. What is your favorite social network? Right now, TikTok. Nice. What about your go-to emoji? The the sassy woman. She has her arm up. I always do the sassy black lady. Yes. Love it. Stories or feed? Feed, actually. I'm really excited to hear your answer for this one. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? The Ilya ads. The stories are just so soothing and they have the birds like going on in the background and I just... I mean, I love it. I'm not going to lie. I watch it multiple times. <laughs> what is your favorite meme currently? Um, That's a hard one. I feel like I'm not really a memer, so I don't really have a favorite. It's hard to, like, I don't know the names of memes. They're hard to describe. No, I feel like a lot of ladies normally just, like, describe them to us, and then I have to Google them after the fact yeah, to I'm make like, sure I'm thinking of the right thing. Whatever Giphy gives me when I type in a keyword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That is so true. Okay, last one. It's 2005, and you're on MySpace. What <sighs> song is playing on your profile? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. 2005. What? Oh, gosh. What great is that? Honestly, it might be, like, Britney Spears' Toxic. nice yeah I'm not even sure if that's 2005 but definitely had a big Britney moment okay so I have the privilege of calling you one of my best friends but I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are today great absolutely pretty much after I graduated I did an internship at Wyden and Kennedy in which I was an account management intern and then quickly after that I did I went to uh, BBDO and I was an assistant account executive and it was my first time like just kind of working in New York City and let me just say it was hard it was really hard there was lots of long hours and just kind of really being introduced to the agency life for the first time and at the time I was working on like a Super Bowl ad and I and the client that we had was Mountain Dew so it was just a, a very like intensive period but I think honestly at the end of the day a strong introduction to just like agency life well yeah working on a Super Bowl ad threw you right in can you tell everyone which one it was? Yes, it was called Puppy Monkey Baby, and it's still online today. And it's Classic. by far, it's possibly the most bizarre ad that you will ever see. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, that it ranks pretty high on the list of weird shit. <laughs> yep, it is real weird, real weird. Um, so I did that and then quickly realized that I wanted to move into strategy. I'm someone that's a champion of the people. Like through and through any job that I take on, I think about like how I can support people, how I can be nurturing, how I can just take care of the team. And so uh, strategy really called to me because it was about being a representative of the consumer. And so when I was at BBDO, I got close with the strategist that was there. 
And he made me realize like, you should probably not be an account and you should move over. So <laughs> I went and got a strategy job at a, a company called KBS, which is no longer around to cut bought out. But that is where I really initially just kind of got my feet wet and loved it. Like I just loved the people that I worked with and also loved the position that I was playing where I was briefing in creatives. I was doing a ton of research to try and understand consumers better. From there, I specifically decided like what I wanted to focus on in strategy was brand strategy. And so when I realized that, I went to Red Scout, which is a brand consultancy. And I mean, it was a very cool job. I got to go to Dubai and I got to go to London and Shanghai and talk to real consumers um, and help brands. And so at that point, I was working on things like Uber Eats and Hilton and Neiman Marcus. It was awesome. It was really, really cool. But the thing for me is, and what I found is clients will come to us and they pay a lot of money. And a lot of times they go, okay, great. Thanks so much. And then they run back to the, the company and they don't do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it ends up in a filing cabinet or... It's like such a beautiful exercise, but yes. it often doesn't get seen through to execution. Exactly. And that was the hardest part of my job where you would just put in all this like blood, sweat and tears, and then you didn't necessarily see anything come out of it. And so that's where I really started to get the itch of going client side. And I wanted to grow a brand entirely from the, the ground up, uh, which and I, I can, I mean, if you want me to, I can share the whole story behind the class now. But yes, we would love to use this opportunity <laughs> to hear about the class. I read um, in an article, someone described it as a workout for your feelings. Yes. So tell me how you would describe the class. I usually describe the class as if you're trying to choose between a therapist and taking the class, you should probably just take the class. The therapist isn't worth it, worth your time. And <laughs> the reason the reason being is because the class is it's a, such an all in one. It is a workout. It is a meditation. It is therapy, and it allows you to like work through so many of the things that you're feeling on your own, which is what you're doing like in therapy, for example, anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think the class just allows you to get more in touch with yourself. You're relatively new at the class now too. So yeah. tell us more about that transition and how you found yourself there in the first place. Yeah, I've been there for four months. I started in August of 2020. And um, the way it was such a I describe 2020 for me as about the year in which I turned lemons into lemonade as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what uh, the class brought me. So just so you have some background, what the class launched a, it was very much a Tribeca brand in which they had a studio in Tribeca and that was it. And we were just kind of like a small boutique fitness brand. And then in October of 2019, they launched the digital studio, which was about being able to bring the class to more people from like a, a virtual environment. And we were doing three live classes a day. That's it. What a crazy thing to launch in 2019, unbeknownst to right. knowing what 2020 was right. going to be. A hundred percent. It was wild. And that, I mean, it was a saving grace uh, for the brand because then what happened when everything went down in March, it grew like tenfold, twentyfold. I mean, it's it was insane. And the class really started just having the digital studio here in the US and then quickly expanded to Canada, Central America, Europe, um, Australia, and South America as well. So it just became 
like New York brand to full-blown global brand. In months. Yeah. Yeah. In months. That kind of actually opened up the door for me to be there. (laughs) So before that, when it came to marketing, a lot of the growth came from word of mouth and students just really being so uh, fulfilled and inspired by it that they would tell their friends about it. And Mm -hmm. so they, they had tried some other, the people to really kind of run marketing, but they realized they needed someone that was passionate about the brand and possibly did the class. And Mm -hmm. so I did the class for four years. I was a student for four years before I even like took the job and I got close with the teachers. Um, they would ask me sometimes to be in their photo shoots and, we wanted to bring up the photo shoot thing because I remember the exact instance Missy showed me this ad that she had gotten. I got an Instagram ad <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I showed it to John and, and this was before you even worked there, I yeah, think. And yeah. so I was just like, oh, wow. I mean, it's so nice to see re- real people who take the class and the content. Yeah, 100%. And that's something that we continue to do, which is, I mean, I think that's important because the Students who take the class are so, they're such, um, honestly, just like brand ambassadors and they believe in it. And so when it comes to shooting any uh, ad content for the class, we're always using new, real students. I can imagine that's a challenge now, though. I mean, given the idea that the class isn't actually happening in person currently, right? Yeah, it is a challenge. And it's really funny because we need to shoot uh, new content. And <laughs> I was literally talking about today on a call how I'm like, can we do a, a Zoom photo shoot and like, you know, try to get the photographer to shoot through Zoom? What's interesting, though, is that the class has transformed from being something that you do in a room full of 25 to 30 people all the way to just now doing it at home in front of the team. Right. And so th- right. that does help from like a sh- like a shoot perspective where we can do yeah. it more individually. But I wonder, like going back to just the the class in general, like I wonder how that experience has changed for people doing it in a group setting versus alone, because it is like you were saying a little bit ago. So about releasing these feelings and learning about yourself, it's it's the different environment of doing it in your living room instead of a studio. I wonder how that affects in general. It's really interesting that you say that because I've talked to a lot of students and we've grown so much that most of the students that we have now are ones who've never taken the class in person. Oh, yeah. They've never taken it in person. And so they can't possibly imagine what it's like, which is really interesting because obviously I'm a student and I know exactly what it's like to to take it in person. Um, But yeah, students now they're like, oh, I I don't know if I could take it. And I don't know (laughs) if I would want all those people to be around, which is just a unique thing for us to figure out. Yeah. I mean, the way you described it, it does feel very intimate in a way. Yeah. It's it is very intimate. And what I can say is when you take the class in person, you forget about all of the people. And in the best way, you also remember when they're there and you when you're we make sound in the class. And so when we are making sound, it almost feels like if you're in a room of 35 people and everyone's doing burpees together. If you've ever watched that show on Netflix, the OA, it mm-hmm. feels like you're moving the universe. You're like so- you're like something must be shifting here um so it's super super powerful to do it in person um and you you still find that intimacy for yourself at the same time you mentioned that you heard from people you know about their experience taking it from home so it seems like you are having these kind of active conversations with the students how do you speak to them 
first one-on-one and then how does that translate through content so you're making sure you're talking about things that they want yes i have found just in any job that i have you can't just do marketing or social content you just can't do it in in like a silo and not talking to people i i like to just be in contact with the students on a regular basis, just so I can get a pulse of what they're thinking. So I, as soon as I started at the class, I I said like, oh, I want to do, I did a consumer survey and then I did consumer interviews and just chatted with a bunch of students across from like Australia and London and here, here in the U S just to get a semblance of like, what impact was the class making on Mm -hmm. them? Uh, And it's the stories that you hear are, oh my gosh, they're just phenomenal about how the class for them has been a saving grace while in quarantine, or it's really helped their family because the kids are also getting involved in it. Or you hear, I mean, I heard a story that someone was an alcoholic and they said that like, really it it helped them stay sober um, because they have a place in which they can process emotion and just express themselves. And so it really is, has been a vital tool for people. And I think when it comes to, just even for what the content that we're developing from a social perspective, we recognize how important it is to provide opportunities where people can take a breath. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of our social content, what you'll see, and even the captions and things that are written, it can feel very poetic. And when it comes to our tone as a brand, we focus on texturizing the words where it creates some semblance of a feeling inside of you. You're not just reading the words passively. We're, we're trying to create, evoke some some feeling in a way, and so I think with the with our social content, it's really there for the students to see it as another way to take a pause in their day and to just find a moment in which they can process how they're feeling and also feel their feelings. I love that so much. I feel like I often trying to explain what good content is to people. <laughs> you know, you want to ask like, did they feel something? It could be a laugh, it could be a, a tear, even, but just that question of did someone feel something or are they just passively going to scroll past to the next post? So I love hearing about that. One of the learning curves for me at the class is realizing how thoughtful we are about our words. There's such a big difference between someone saying to you, take a breath versus someone saying to you, breathe into the space behind your heart. Mm. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. You breathe a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true though. If you told me to take a breath, I probably wouldn't have. Right. Exactly. I want to talk more about accomplishments and challenges. I mean, four months to be in this new role during a global pandemic, working from your home. Tell me more about some of the things that you've been struggling with. Um, I think when we first went into lockdown, what I, I'm an extrovert. And so I love people. And so when we first went into lockdown, it was really hard to just not have the general day-to-day banter that you have yeah. in an office. Yeah. I was like, that took some getting used to. Um, and I think for me, when it's just come to taking care of myself, what I've done is first, I have a routine. I get dressed every single day. I try to move my body in some way every day. And I and I drink water. Like that's another key that's that's really been introduced in the pandemic is just being able to take care <laughs> of myself in the right ways. Um, And when it's come to just like the flow and the challenges and the ups and downs of of this situation where you're working from home, it's one of the challenges have been, uh, I'm sure this is for everyone, is knowing when to turn off. That's really hard 
it's so hard to just go, okay, yeah, I finished a meeting at six o'clock. Okay, I'm done. It is just difficult and I'm still struggling with it. Um, and so it's weird when it's like, how do you create boundaries when you are just always in the same exact place? Right, right. That's that's probably been the, the, the biggest struggle for me. And it's also because I really like my job. Like I just, I love my job. So I find it yeah. hard to stop doing it because I'm like, oh, I can keep building. I can keep going. Going off of what you just said, I think about when I need to take a break and when I need to stop working and Jen and I will do a yoga class. Mm-hmm. And I found that if I skip a couple of weeks without yoga, my mind is cluttered. But for you, your work is also something that you do to let go and to release. So what is it like? And how are you creating that balance between your job, the class and your extracurricular, the The class? class. (laughs) Um, It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And it's it's such a weird experience that I've never been through before, where you're in a meeting and you're like, oh, that meeting was really hard. I'm so stressed. I'm a little anxious. Let me take the class. Like, (laughs) And that's exactly, it's what I do. And it's funny because taking the class during work is highly encouraged. Um, You literally just kind of like slack everyone and say, hey, I'm taking so-and-so's class and you go and you do it. Uh, And so it's been interesting to, yeah, work for the class and then also use it as something that soothes you and Mm -hmm. provides me with some sort of catharsis. I, I don't think it's about necessarily finding like the balance between the two or trying to divide them. I think right. it's more about like finding the flow. So I work out when I do it, I'll for sure do it on the weekends and I do the class in the morning. Um, and honestly, it's a source for inspiration for me where I go, mm, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I do this. Like, that's why I show up every day. And it, it allows me to, I bring that, whatever the teacher's talking about in class, I bring that back into my work. I bring it up. So it's, it's just kind of fluid. You're so wise. <laughs> Thank you. I, that's what I, I, one thing I love about the class, I'm such a, I'm such a groupie at heart. Well, yeah, you're a fangirl. <laughs> no, for sure. I'm for sure. such a fangirl at heart is that it has given me so many tools where mm-hmm. I started off as a student. It's introduced me to meditation. It's introduced me to journaling. It's introduced me to Oh, like, oh, when I'm anxious, where is that feeling manifesting inside of me? Like, it's just made me more in tune with myself. And then working for the company, I'm around people who have the highest emotional intelligence you have ever imagined, which means that everyone's very self-aware. Sometimes we'll start a meeting with a meditation. It's incredible. And so I I continue to just take on those tools. And I, and obviously it has shaped me and will continue to shape me. I had someone ask me the other day during a new employee onboarding session, like what a dream client for me would be. And I think in a lot of young people's careers, that's often a question like, what brand do you want to work for? Mm -hmm. What do you, where is your end goal? What does that look like for you? And I kind of struggled for the first time answering that question. I think earlier in my career, I had a laundry list of like top tier brands. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Yeah. Like (laughs) Google. Everyone says that, you know? And it's so funny to me because I feel like your career trajectory, like you didn't picture it leading you to the class, like even when you were a student, when you first started. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. Everything that's happened in my career, did I plan on it? No. Is this going in some way according to plan? Yes, absolutely. But now being here, I'm like, yeah, this feels so uh, holistically me and makes sense. 
but yeah, you, you, you're right. Like, there's no way you could have told me, my younger self, like, this is what you're going to be doing. So Jen asked about some challenges and we just mm-hmm. went through those. But what is something that in your first four months you've been able to accomplish yeah, so, so quickly? Right now, we're, we are in the process of going through a brand evolution. Um, and basically what I, what I did at the class is I took all of that brand strategy, a lot of the things that I've learned in agency life and in advertising, and I brought it directly to the class. And so the first four months that I've been there, I, as I mentioned, I did uh, stakeholder interviews. I did, uh, I talked to a bunch of consumers and all of that was an effort to get clearer on why does the class exist and what's our mission in the world. And so what you'll see mm-hmm. coming very soon is just a brand refresh. It's a bit more mature version of the class. It's a bit more grown up. I'm so excited to, to launch it because uh, the founder, Taryn, loves it and is super passionate about where we're headed as a brand. And I think more than that, it allows us to grow. It's, it's big enough um, and new enough where we can start to uh, jump into some bigger shoes and uh, have a really clear trajectory on where we're headed. I want to hear more about building this online community the growth, the growth, and how taking something that was so Tribeca based, just now something so global, how you are building this loyalty in members across the world. Right. Cause as you, you know, refresh the brand and bring yeah. in new students, what does that look like fostering those relationships you have with current and accepting in these new newcomers? Absolutely. Um, I would say that just for the future of the brand is about community. Like that's where it's, that's where the growth will stem from. Uh, so when it comes to growing it in the future, I think it's making brand ambassadors. There's so many people who are, I I talked to a student the other day, she reached out to me via email and she just wanted to jump on a call so she could share some ideas on how she could spread the class. (laughs) And I was like, I love it. Wow. Yeah. I was like, you're doing my job for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and that's the community we have where they're just like oh just i just wanted to give you some feedback any way that i could become a brand ambassador anything i could do for you guys in philly and i'm like what so that that's (laughs) the future uh, of our brand is really being able to galvanize uh the people that are most passionate about about the brand the people that are loyalists um and allow them locally to be able to bring their build their own class communities um, that's how we'll grow. And that's also how, um, people will hopefully just stay committed to it as well. And just know that like, they're not going to switch to some other brand, but they really believe in the class. I follow this New York city based influencer. And the other day I saw in her Instagram story that she was taking a virtual class class. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't feel sponsored. It felt like so genuine that she just wanted to be an advocate to get this brand out there more. I loved it. And I'm curious is how you are activating more of like the traditional influencer stuff. A great question. We don't have any influencer marketing right now and we don't plan on having any in the future. And it is wild because what what you see is truly authentic. That is that person endorsing the class. We have a lot of uh, fans of the class. Alicia Keys is a fan. Drew Barrymore is a fan. And it's so interesting because uh, obviously I, I am on the class Instagram and you get all of these these DMs and you're like, is that is that person really tagging the class? Or, right. That- it almost feels like personal. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they tagged yes. me. <laughs> like, is that verified person really tagging the class? 
And it's, that's, it is, it really is. And you, there are so many people that you kind of find out, you're like, oh, wow, you take the class too. Um, and yeah, they're, they're true students and they, they love, they love it and endorse it. And, but we're not, we're not paying them to, it's fully, fully natural. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. Honestly. It is, it is a hundred percent. We saw there was a Facebook group with almost 5,000 members. Probably more now. Yeah, probably more now dedicated to the class. Is that a group that's run by the brand internally? Or is, do you know if that's just something that students have formed together to get to know each other? Yeah, so that group is, I would say, my lifeline. <laughs> it, it is. It was formed by us. We made the group. It's uh, the class Digital Studio. In March, when the Digital Studio got really big, we wanted to just create some space for community. The students that are in there provide so much feedback and are so helpful mm -hmm. to not just us, but to one another that it's incredible. Yeah. It will be everything from... Uh, people talking about their life stories and how the class has completely changed their life to uh, them telling us about like tech issues. This past October, we had an event called the Summit Wisdom of Emotions. And for that summit, we had a number of speakers. And we actually asked students in that group beforehand. And we said, like, what speakers would you like to hear from? And they gave us a list. And that's exactly how we created that event. So it it is, wow. It's it's very much a I would say a lifeline for marketing and honestly everyone at the class because yeah, yeah it's like a marketer's dream yeah. <laughs> to have such direct access exactly. to something like that. exactly I'm like tell me what you want and I will deliver like that is exactly <laughs> what that group is like and so um, I love it and what's really awesome to see and I and I have to say this is because of the community that we have is when new people come into that group, they'll introduce themselves and talk about like, hey, this is how I got started. So it's just a nurturing, welcoming, inviting uh, community that I think is just the most beautiful thing to see and watch. It's so great that you all found a way to create kind of that in-person, that one-to-one -one right. virtually. And we talked about that serendipity of the class going digital in 2019. And now here we are in 2020 and almost all of our workouts are virtual. Yeah, sadly. Sadly. <laughs> what do you think the future is for this industry? Do you think this virtual workout class is here to stay? A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. This is, this to me is, is, the, is the future because it's easy. You can just get started from home. You don't have to go to uh, a, like, you know, a gym or a certain location. Like you just can start like today. You don't want to be rooted and be like, oh, I have to go to this gym and it's down the street from my house. The idea of being able to move anywhere and still take your rituals and your routines with you uh, is the future. And so I, I think that there will be more at-home workouts for sure. I want to comment on the intimidation aspect of starting a new workout I too. I was just about to say something I like have that. so <laughs> many stories of like, even when I was at Ithaca, you know, it took a lot of courage for me to like jump in and start going to this bar studio downtown and even here in the city, I'm a little like I'm pretty outgoing and normally dive headfirst into a lot of things, but I'm intimidated by berries and soul cycle. And honestly, a, like a little bit of the class too. It's like it's a little bit of a intimidation factor that prevents me from starting a new workout. And I think the virtual removes that. Yeah, I think the virtual removes that a little bit. It's something that we struggle with as the class is that people don't know what it is. They're like, what am I, what right. am I gonna be doing? Um, and the thing is, at the end of the day, the instructors there, there is a really carefully curated playlist. And then <laughs> you're just doing one move per song and it's moves that you're familiar with, like squats, 
um, jumping jacks, uh, burpees, and they will, everything's an invitation. So do what it is that you feel good about that feels good in your body and that's it. And you don't have to be fit to take the class. You don't have to work out to work out. You just kind of show up. And I always tell people, if you have a mat and you, ha- and you have a body, then you can do the class. Like that's it. It's that simple. I feel like the thing that I was thinking of, I was going to ask you, Dominique, if when you were a gymnast and you would go to the gym, like I remember being nervous every time, even if I'd been 10 times in the same gym, it's just like seeing all those athletes around you that are so good. And there's the comparison and there's just that little bit of like fear. And I think Jen, when you said that about workout classes too, I totally relate. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that's, I'm definitely in gymnastics. That's how that was. You're like, Oh, is that what that person's doing over there? Yeah. (laughs) It's such a human thing. We do it even on, on social media, right? There's just that like comparison thing that happens. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to make, I was going to bring that up next. Yeah. And that's what we do inherently. We're just like, Oh, should I be doing that? Or is I don't know. It's just so, it's just so interesting. Like even as people make their engagement or their baby announcements, you're like, should I do it that way? Right. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to compare. And I, I'm absolutely by no means perfect. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I never compare myself. Like absolutely not true. I struggle with it too. I think the biggest thing is just like whatever you're seeing on social media or whatever you're seeing in the, in the gym or wherever you are, remember, you don't know the whole, the full story. You just don't. Mm-hmm. I like honestly can't even figure out how to say goodbye to you well, in wanna... this interview. Thank you. This is a dream to have you on the show with us. We've been looking forward to it all season. Correct. So proud. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. I just appreciate being able to chat with you guys anytime. So thank you for having me on. I'm just such a proud friend right now. Everything that she is doing to really make her mark on the class in the first four months right. is so cool. I'm sure she has a lot up her sleeve. She's told us some things that she wants to focus on that we won't say on air. So it'll be really exciting to see what the future holds. Heard it here first. Okay, so for the account that I think you should be following this week, I want to call attention to at Framed Tweets on Instagram. Framed Tweets. Yes. Okay. So back to that platform inception that we were talking about before. Yep. Of sharing tweets on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's also the opportunity to have your tweet printed out, framed, and mailed physically to your home so you can hang it. Wow, I am redoing my room right now. Yeah, perhaps you need one of these. I feel like I wouldn't put one of my own tweets in my room because I feel like that's a little... (laughs) Self-serving. Yeah, (laughs) but maybe, yeah, another tweet that I like, that would be fun. Well, aside from ordering one yourself... Following them on Instagram is so funny because it just you can see all of the really popular tweets that people are interested in having tangibly. I love it. That would be a really funny gift to send someone a tweet that they tweeted. I know. In a frame. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought about giving this to you. I had that feeling you might. I didn't find anything good. So you're not going to get this in your stocking. Uh, my tweets aren't good enough. <laughs> no, I never said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, everyone, we'll be back next week with our last episode of the season. Wow. In the year. Craziness. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies.